How Comical with your hosts, Andrew Honor and Chris Ramos. Tonight, we review Guardians of the Galaxy by Dan Abnett and Andy Landing Omnibus. And we're talking about this book tonight because of the recent release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the end cap to uh, James Gunn's vision for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Movie number three, and that's why we're kind of jumping in to say, hey, there's a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy stories out there, but this one is closer to the storyline yes. right now, right? So, yeah, the this run starts around 2008 era and as you can see on issue number one of the cover um, we are introduced to star lord phyla vel who's quasar adam warlock rocket raccoon drax the destroyer gamora the assassin and you might say oh i recognize these characters from the screen or they will be in guardians of the galaxy 3 in the trailers and we've kind of taken our time just growing into these characters or getting introduced to them because when Guardians of the Galaxy, the first movie came out, it was a really like risky move on their part because nobody knew who those characters were. Yeah, I mean, now it doesn't really seem that risky in the Marvel movie lineup because there's been some sort of off the wall movies in between. But if you look at when Guardians of the Galaxy number one came out, yeah. there really wasn't anything else like uh, goofy sort of sure I, I keep saying goofy but you know what i mean just like a little bit not so serious it was like iron man 2 and everything else it was pretty serious movies absolutely and they weren't around during like the original avengers but it was like after the fact they're like oh let's introduce new characters new themes how can we grow our cosmic side of marvel yeah and, and see how their audience can be stretched absolutely and, and take some chances and they got some pretty high caliber like actors to help out and just breathe life in these characters. Um, getting Chris Pratt involved, they transformed his career. He was yeah. like on Parks and Rec creations. Yes. And they were like, oh, hey, you know, he's like a unsung kind of under the radar actor. Let's bring him into a leadership role. Almost like an unsung. Dave Bautista, who was known yeah. for his wrestling career. They brought him as Drax of the Destroyer. And just, and um, I'm trying to think who Karen the, Gillian, Karen Gillian, yeah. yes, who was big Doctor Who yep. uh, actor at that time, actor, and just really wanted to kind of put some power behind this and um, just kind of grow this team and try to make them relatable, even though they're out in space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why, even in comics, and you know, I don't know if it's a trope, but I mean, even in comics, they try to have at least one or two humans within a group right. so that we can connect on that sort of human level of Peter Quill is sort of um, a reflection of how we would want to travel yes. the solar systems, mm -hmm. but also what we would envision ourselves as, you know, he goes up against huge, crazy aliens. Yes, and absolutely. It's like he holds his own as a human. Yeah. And he's kind of the fearless warriors, a little bit of his element. But reckless, all, right? <laughs> reckless, yes. <laughs> and like Star-Lord has his own like Han Solo, um, I'd say like Indiana Jones kind of feels with his character. So he's he's a little bit of a gunslinger and kind of wreck, like you said, reckless. Mm -hmm. And but he's got, but he loves his music and everything and retro because that's when he was kind of plucked out, you know. He's and his helmet gives him at least some sort of um uh invulnerability a yeah, little bit a little translating yes. and yep it's kind of this like identifying symbol and so bringing it back to the book it was really kind of a well-rounded team when they when 
Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning were writing, co-writing this book. It was after this huge crossover event Marvel put together called Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest, where um, there was kind of this, there wasn't a lot of cosmic things going on at the time, and they wanted to shake this up with an event. Like, okay, we're going to bring all the cosmic side of characters together to band together against Annihilus, which is a huge, like, Fantastic Four villain from the negative zone. Very wild, wacky character, and he wants to take over the universe, kind of wipe it out, <laughs> and things like that, the Annihilation Wave. And so characters like Star-Lord um, and Drax the Destroyer and Gamora and Adam Warlock, um, and I think maybe Rocket was in there, I'm not too sure, but they said, okay, you know, these are kind of some prominent characters, and so it's like, okay, how about we take, after this event wraps up, these characters really stick out to us. We would love to work with them. How can we do that? Let's put them together as a team and reignite Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy was originally formed as a team in 1969, but it had nothing to do with this team. <laughs> and, and yeah, and you know, back to the 60s and 70s and 80s, I mean, whenever Marvel or DC for that matter, or any other independent comic, you know, they were just throwing characters out by themselves and they were throwing characters out paired up and okay how about a sidekick okay how about we're part of a team and just seeing what sticks and it's kind of funny because some of those early early stories from the 60s and 70s um maybe they never really got as popular as we would consider them but maybe in the day they were popular enough well now modern writers can look at those and say hey i'm going to take that team and sort of bring them back. Absolutely. And that's what Marvel does too. And when, if you start there and you're like, hey, I'm a new writer, they're not just going to hand you Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. They're going to kind of throw you a team maybe that, you know, have spent through one or two iterations and said, well, let's see what you can do with this thing. Absolutely. What vision can you bring to it? Yeah. And so that original team, and you might recognize a few of these names, it's uh, Vance Astro, Martin X, uh, Char- uh, Captain Charlie 27 and Yandu, especially Yandu. Yeah, and yeah. Starhawk was a later addition to the team when Jim Valentino, who works at Image Comics, took it over in like the mid eight, mid to late 80s um, with his run. And um, like though that iteration of the team lasted till about 1992, 1994, then it kind of got dropped. So it took like nearly 20 to 30 years to bring this team to refigure it and to bring it back. And there's some great homages during this run that pay tribute back to that, um, to the original team. So that was really cool. And even in the movie, we get to see um, Sylvester Stallone as Starhawk, which was (laughs) like, wow, okay, that's really cool. And you see like Martin X, who's kind of like the crystal looking guy. And um, of course, Yondu, Yondu you know, Michael Rooker is Yondu. That was you know, a very obscure character, even to this team. And to see that happen and how that changed his career and gave him some new life and reinvigorated uh, his role in the team and acting, that was so cool. (laughs) Well, and like the other sort of great part of even reading comics right now while there are movies, it's because there's so much story that's involved in the panels of a comic book that really is devoted to entire um, arcs that they just can't jump into in a movie. So Mm -hmm. you have to sort of give them credit to take pieces of it that they think will work, like Mm -hmm. Yondu, you know, and say, hey, uh, this person would translate really well on the screen. 
and this other guy we're going to sort of drop off and yeah. make you know changes here and there one of them is the the group that's together is you know quasar is um an old school character yeah, quasar that has i remember ties to like captain marvel yes, yeah like way back and and i remember quasar when um the infinity gauntlet was out and things yes. you know i mean that was another big uh cosmic, cosmic event I think that was so for me, that was my first cosmic event was Infinity Gauntlet because it exploded on the scene of comics in what did I say? Ninety. Yeah. Ninety one. Yeah. In nineteen ninety one. So it was a six issue story, mm -hmm. uh, Infinity Gauntlet and turned into Infinity War and all that. Yeah. But, but for us, when we were kids reading it, it um, it was like the first time that all of our characters that we knew were were involved in a huge yeah, cosmic and event. That was like you took every single Marvel character title that were major in the time and you put them against the most powerful cosmic entity, which was Thanos at the time. Yeah. It wasn't that like a the first huge crossover, maybe yeah, or something like I that. Would I mean, say it really worked. One of on the it. really major, major ones that were like, let's bring every character. Yeah. I and, just remember it yeah. was it was and it was one of those where at that time, now Marvel does it all the time, but at yeah. that time, they said, hey, this is going to shake up the whole universe. This yes. is going to be totally different. Everyone's going to be different. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, well, we believed it. And right. they've done that a few more times afterwards. But uh, at that time, we believed it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that was written by uh, Jim Starlin, who yeah. came up with Drax the Destroyer and Adam Warlock. And I think he did Captain Marvel, or at least had some ties to that. Um, and Adam Warlock was like Maybe a Jack Gamora. Kirby. Yeah, Adam Warlock was like a Jack Kirby thing that Drimstar was like, oh, I can really shake up this character. Watch <laughs> this. And so he's really taken some ownership to that character. And even like Thanos, he like he um, created Thanos, which was like the biggest one of the biggest villains since like Kang the Conqueror. So it was such a cool thing to like see that come in. And now we got to see on the big screen. And I'm sure I've I've met Mr. Starlin. He's he's pretty uh odd about what his visions come like to life so they've turned everything cool. into yeah yeah even though like the movies are kind of they take their own liberties and adaptations to the comic it's really it's a different interpretation but it flows really well as um comparatively and i think you know even this run this was just a new vision. They're like, hey, let's try it. So mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong. Sure, there's some things that could have been better. <laughs> and so things like, oh, man, I wish the character did this. But you know what? There's still time. They're still making movies. There's still figure out a way to bring it back. And uh, it's really cool to see what journey these characters go on. Well, so like back to the story yes. that I... That I so we read 25 issues of the, uh, yes. the Guardians of the Galaxy run. Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of like it just sort of starts like yes it just, it just you just jump into the team and you just see them fighting and it's yeah. like they're a team already and um as you're kind of reading through it you realize that there's while there's like a narrative that they're following mm -hmm. this sort of main storyline there's tons of side quests and offshoots oh, and absolutely try the everybody oh, has go their own like motivations yes. why they're there and things like that they introduce some other you know um villain base that you're like well how the heck are they gonna and every single time at least for me when you read cosmic it's like nothing can just be very simple it has to be like world shattering city absolutely. destroying you know mm -hmm. um this is a far spread, you know, belief system. And now they're going to tear it all down kind of thing. 
Um, but one one thing that really jumped out was the um, the Guardians of the Galaxy team wasn't called Guardians of the Galaxy at the time. Like, yes. they, didn't, they didn't adapt <laughs> right. that that name. They were mm-hmm. just they were just thrown together, and they just sort of had this kind of bond. But Peter Quill sort of held them together. Yes, and then there were interviews that are running through yeah, the Yeah, I kind of felt, it was almost like The Office where they, you know, yeah. it's just the can- you and the camera and they're like telling like, oh man, that was freaky. They're or telling here's the what they Here's stuff. what they really thought of that scene and or what they were motivating. Yeah. I really like that, like, stare, like storytelling, like narration device. They yeah, have. and like every, that to me, while you're reading this, if you yeah. were a, a new reader, mm-hmm. that allows you to understand the character of each Absolutely. member because mm-hmm. Rocket Raccoon speaks way different. He yes. just says this crazy stuff. And then it goes back to like Adam Warlock who, okay. So Adam Warlock that I remember yeah. was, <laughs> wasn't like a space magician or mm-hmm. whatever. He's like yeah. a mage now or something. Yes. So they may, they kind of a little bit cause he, he gets reincarnated every once in a while. And in this car, latest reincarnation that he's did, he's more of a, um, a, they like call space him a, a battle mage, a battle like mage, a, a yeah, which actually mage. makes it a little bit more realistic. It kind of grounds it, I guess, more um, because Adam Warlock from like Infinity War and stuff, he was this huge, like cosmic warrior. They kind of uh, like a space Jesus. They kind of described yeah. him at the time. And, well, he just had power, and you were like, "What? What is? What is he? What yes, can he do? You absolutely. know, like he just had power." Yeah, and I do like in this story that every once in a while Adam Warlock will like announce like, oh, I'm going to do a healing spell, literally, yeah. like, or I'm going to do a uh, dispelment for travel. Sure. You know, and it was like. And I oh, almost gosh. think when I look at this team and I'm reading the run, I almost think of like my D&D party, like, okay, you need the battle mage, yeah, you need the broke, you need the leader, like a bard, um, you need like a ranger and things like that. So, or a, or a barbarian or a fighter. Um, so I'm like, okay, here's translates into, <laughs> into a space cosmic team. <laughs> and so this is right after Annihilation, which is another yeah. great cosmic run and, um, Drax the Destroyer, which everyone, you know, pretty much remembers. Yes. He's sort of like He's a little bit more serious, yeah. uh, compared to his movie adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> they did make him a way goof. <laughs> they made him like, a, like a child in the movie almost. Yeah, it's a child. Maybe like a yeah. nine-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> Not like a child, child. Right. We love we love Younger. him. But, uh, he's a little more serious and like um like a like a fighter assassin kind of thing. Um, but he has like strong ties to, you know, the cosmic history and everything. And uh especially like Annihilation, he was a huge role in that. But uh yeah, so they kind of they're going through this mission, they're fighting, and they're they're kind of uh taking on latest threats and Adam Warlock's like after what happened in Annihilation, there's this uh, the universe is having these fissures, and the fissures like broken, broken. and uh, after enough fissures and space time, the universe is just going to shatter. <laughs> it's going to just be the end of the world. And he can see it differently than others, so he's really trying to stop that. Yes, and and the Guardians are sort of along yeah, for the ride. Absolutely, and Star Lord's mentality is. Hey, we want to prevent the next annihilation wave. We want to you know, stop the problem before it gets worse. So we're going to form a team to take care of those problems. 
So they kind of go with this mentality of that's what we're going to do. We're going to save the day proactively. <laughs> and Almost. Just hop across the universe. And, you know, sometimes they um, wreck things. But, you know, most of the time they're, um, I want to say, like, they're okay almost just throwing themselves on the front line. Right. Like, that's just the job that they took mm-hmm. on themselves. And they don't really have anyone else to, you know, report to. It's just themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes when you see them, you think, wow, they're they're pretty overpowered. I mean, they've got yeah. Quasar now, who's a girl. Yep. Um, she has, like, quantum light-based powers, kind of like um, Captain Marvel does in the movie. And she can make a sword. Yeah, that, like you know, light constructs. Yep. Almost like a Green Lantern-y kind of yep. thing. <laughs> and then they have... Um, Drax, who is just uh, pretty yeah, much... Drax and Gamora. And this, he's very much like a super fighter. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. More of a super fighter than mm-hmm. just sort of a like a bulldozer that he is in yeah. the movie. You know? <laughs> um, and then they come across Major Victory. Yes, absolutely. So and what do you know about Major Victory? Well, actually, <laughs> so outside of this run, I don't know too much. I know he has ties to the old team, which was, again, we were talking about kind of the crossing over that old team with the new team and kind of doing some ties back to that. But I mean, he's, he, like, he's from the future. He is this. from the future. Yep, absolutely. And that is that is correct. And he, um, if he is like his, he has like a bot, almost a bodysuit that contains his self and if that body suit were gets a tear open like he could die <laughs> because he's like out of the 30th his, century or whatever yeah, it is and yeah. he's out of his timeline so he te- and it, like his timeline got destroyed or something yes. right so mm-hmm. like so he technically shouldn't exist but yeah he does. but he he got stuck in like uh what was it uh like time travel ice or something like that quantum, quantum tri- yeah. Ice, yeah so he gets thought out and becomes part of the team and he actually when we first meet him in this run he's holding captain america's shield from so the that, future from the future <laughs> so it was like this wow okay there what's what's to this character and he very much has those leadership qualities and but he's still he doesn't have his memory so he has this very much soldier out of time mentality to him. Kind of like a cap, actual Captain America. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty tough. So that's yeah. good. He's got another tough person on their team. Absolutely. We and do get to uh, see Groot. Yes. Groot's, uh, when we meet him for the first time, like he's just in like a pot and he's a little sapling. <laughs> because in Annihilation, he got like almost totally destroyed. Yeah, right? Something. Like, yeah. It could they, have been. They saved a little piece of him or something mm-hmm. like that. But he eventually grows pretty big, like actually a lot bigger than they show in the movies and things. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like when we first meet him in volume one, I would say. Yeah. Close to that range, but he does get bigger. (laughs) And then they kind of pick up some people along the way, of course, Cosmo. Yes, Cosmo. Cosmo, And I'm so excited for our listeners to actually see them on the big screen. So and actually hear some dialogue and things like that. Um, because Cosmo is one of my favorite characters in the Guardians of the Galaxy run. <laughs> and, and so Cosmo is a, a psychic dog. A psychic Russian dog. Psychic Russian, Russian dog, dog that was like a space a yes. space cosmonaut. Yeah, absolutely. So his tie <laughs> is like in the 80s when they were sending um, animals and pets into space, you know, he was part of that. And when he got into space, he was altered. So he... Uh, gets uh, one of the side effects was he got telepathy and telekinesis <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty cool and now he's like the leader of nowhere which is kind of the which was accurate to the movie where it's in a, a dead celestial's head 
and that's their so he's like the head of security and he kind of is like the like uh, a member of the team essentially (laughs) he's like not a member but he's always goes on all their missions he's kind of like the nowhere they're they're smart to bring him with absolutely such a great character so while you're reading through this particular run of guardians of the galaxy um yes there are some artists that change hands but the writing stays solid Mm -hmm. and the nice part about it is like we said before that it seems like their overarching storyline is against this religious cult. Yes, the Universal Church of Truth. I yes, and it, it is, and they have believers, and mm-hmm. as long as their believers are believing, they have found a way to tap into that, belief, that energy, belief energy battery, and it's yeah. pretty tough. Yeah, um, yeah, they were kind of an interesting villain because they're. Um, the writers aren't necessarily going for the religion aspect. They're going for like um, maybe like a crusade kind of thing or. Yeah, that's what I got to. That it wasn't like they were trying to make some sort of, you know, religious statement. statement. No. And the guardians themselves are so reckless that for them to have the idea of a belief system or the idea of a religion is just counterproductive. Yes. This is, they're not even mercenaries. They're just, like a ragtag group of of hoodlums. Yes. And for them to take anything serious long enough to say, like, I believe in something, right. it is is difficult. So you kind of get that um, storyline yeah. within the team. And then Adam Warlock yeah. is like, kind, kind of, of like he, you should worship him, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're kind of like, he's our leader. He is, we, we have prophesied Warlock as this great savior to us. But, okay, if he doesn't agree with us, we're totally going against you. Uh, we're kind of forcing you to come with us. And he's like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. Well, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> so they keep fighting him because all Warlock wants to do is um, fix time and space on the fissures that are happening. And they want him to sort of settle down a little bit. Yeah, like, and he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Run, yeah. run their cult. <laughs> so it's kind of like this interesting conflict to them. And you kind of figure out there's way more to this universal truth than on the surface. So that was really cool to explore that space. Just a different villain. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we just kind of keep going through and you find out like different reasons of why the team came together and um different like ulterior motives to it and uh mantis is obviously we get introduced to her she's another psychic so her power mantis um again in the movie has those like two really thin sort of antenna Mm -hmm. um the the girl but in the comic so she can see future storylines she she could see a little bit of the future um with her um it's almost a div- divination power, but she's also, she's a psychic and she knows she's like an expert, like a Kung Fu person. <laughs> yeah. So like, if you're going to fight like, her, she, yeah. she sort of knows. Absolutely. We do get to see some of that. that. Yeah. And, um, the only thing is like, she's more of a green alien and she also remembers everything she did when she was on the Avengers as well. Oh, cause oh. she was part of the storyline called Celestial Madonna saga and uh, i haven't read that yet but i heard it was a big thing (laughs) (laughs) i haven't read everything folks (laughs) but um it was really cool so she's a big like kind of glue to the team as well she's really trying to help star lord keep the team together so who who is i know you've kind of mentioned a lot of them are your favorite character but who's your 
Who's one of your standout characters? Oh man, so in this run, because I know yeah, you've read a lot of Cosmo. As absolutely, um, I like Adam Warlock to see his journey because of his ties to Infinity Gauntlet and things like that. And Star Lord's really cool. He's he has a different leadership model. Rocket actually has the best dialogue. <laughs> yeah, well, and Rocket is I think the most surprising to people because, yeah, at you know, on the surface, yes, he's, he's a talking a, he's a raccoon. Yeah, we're talking uh, raccoon. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he's a little raccoon. <laughs> yes, um, but he he does have some skills, and and actually, you know, he he touches on every once in a while. As much as you think these people are together, as any good team team up would tell you, as much as you think they're together just out of circumstance, they actually really do like each other. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, there are some moments where they step back. Even Star Lord steps back, and and uh, Peter Quill and, and he says, you know, I've, I've got a lot of regrets in my life and I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of, yep. but you know, the, he kind of brings it around. Like the thing I'm most proud of is this, this team. team. And, Absolutely. And when, you know, they start to break away, like rockets, like one of the people are like, really, we're breaking away with this after we're already here. Yeah. We're already doing good. We believe what we're doing, but we don't like the circumstances let's change that around or he'll keep things going while people take a break and come back and things like that. But he still has like a good personality. They really developed that character well, and he's still funny. <laughs> and I really Very like quippy. Adam Warlock too, but you know, I remember actually exactly, when I was reading yeah. this, I was like, Oh, he does have a dark side. Like yeah. Adam there Warlock. was more. Yeah, absolutely. He has Magus, which is, yes. Is, is, um, is, that was a big, like, villainous side to um during the initial like infinity run i think infinity war is yeah where magus absolutely appeared. Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like uh uh he, he his skin turns blue and he just gets like crazy and mm-hmm. it's just it's like i'm a, glad it's they dropped the persona. afro part though <laughs> yes it's a totally it's a different persona and he literally turns into this yeah like, dr absolutely. jekyll and Mr. yes Hyde absolutely thing. i think you nailed that really analogy absolutely but it only happens when he's like super spent and he can't maintain that 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 personality starts he has to, to like hold him back yeah so. absolutely and you know after his all of his energy is expended like that's when he takes over and then like it takes like all their power and all their effort to you know beat the magnus and things like that yeah magus like is uh like has no problem just killing people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's ultimate evil. Yeah, lawful evil. Absolutely, he's all that. And so it was really interesting that yeah, you can bring and pick and choose those things out of like the original Infinity Gauntlet storyline and make that really interesting, compelling um, during this run. And it's just like that as I'm even flipping through the story too. There's so many characters in it, but yeah, but that was almost the charm of this story. Absolutely. So this run. Um, you know, again, was right after Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, what year did we say? 20? Oh, 2008 was this 2008. Run. So the first Guardians movie came out in 2014. Yeah. So they had, you know, plenty of, of storyline, but it's nice to see that all of these um, uh, landscapes and all of these uh, different, you know, uh, planets they go to, they all have a pretty compelling story in their own right. Absolutely. It's almost like a... a an adventure of the week kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. then when they show this in the movie, it's like, wow, they actually, the movie as crazy as the movie was. Mm-hmm. If people have read this comic, I think it kind of puts the movie in perspective. Absolutely. That, or that it's like, like, Hey, I want to know more about their adventures and stuff before they, before 
you know, or during after the events of like volume three, like what could have happened or maybe what happened during that space? Where would you go? Where there? would you go from there? You're like, oh, hey, I love watching Gardens of the Galaxy. What, where do I start? This is a great place to start. And then who is Jack Flag? Jack Flag, uh, I'm I was not entirely up, sure as well. I was going to look him up. He, I mean, the yeah. name sounds familiar and mm-hmm. he has like red, white, and blue hair. Bug was part of like the Micronauts. Oh, he was yeah. very like niche character. I didn't know that. if Jack uh, Jack Flag was a Star Jammer, but I guess not. No, I don't think he was. Although it was cool to like see Star Jammer. Yeah, in. sure. So I guess um, well, I we could touch upon that. It's a good segue. So during this run, they had to tie in with certain Marvel events that are going to time, and you're like, oh, but Annihilation was there. Yeah, that happened over there <laughs> in the and cosmic side. Of things. Annihilation was done. So they wrapped it up. Yeah, good. there was. Um, Civil War, they mentioned it very little bit, but that happened right before as well. Kind of the same time as Annihilation was going on. And then they had Secret Invasion, um, which was the Skrulls who were like um, green shape-shifting aliens who were introduced in like Fantastic Four that can take shape of any human power set, things like that, and replicate it. They got way more advanced. And so there, there's this whole like infiltration plotline where it was the tagline when they were doing it was like, who do you trust? Yeah, because yeah. anyone could be a scroll. Yeah. In disguise. Right. So that was one plotline they try, they tie in, which they do very well. Of. And then War of the Kings was the other more popular one. War of the Kings was this big, like the Shi'ar and then the Kree were fighting over supremacy of the cosmic galaxy <laughs> and like the inhumans get involved. They lead the Kree because they have ties into that. It was all a big cosmic thing, but it was really cool to see that because they don't go like a whole one 360 into it. They're kind of like halfway. They try to be mediators of the situation, but it also gives the a chance for the characters to interact with the rest of the Marvel universe. Hmm. So I, I felt that was kind of a cool tie-in as well as appropriate. Yeah, and they didn't make it where you know you felt like they needed to bring in other storylines to strengthen this one because it had its own you know good good run. No, absolutely. An editorial comes along. It's kind of like, hey, you kind of have to do a tie-in. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the big two. They have some, <laughs> sometimes they just mandatory have to do things like that. Like your story's doing good. You're doing good. Let's you know, bring some others. And yeah, introduce yeah, some other Introduce storylines. some tie-ins. Every every company loves a good tie-in. <laughs> now the other um the other thing i noticed in the story here is that everyone almost has like either two personalities or mm-hmm. sort of a past life and a new life and yes like even the, i would um, say that that's accurate yeah even quasar sort of like it's almost like they evolved into something else you know yes. like um and, and you know someone could argue that peter quill was like human and then he was star lord yeah it's like that's his thing. Yeah. And sometimes people call him Star Star Man. Star, star Man. He's like, this he gets really mad. It's Star, star Lord. Lord. You know? yeah, star Lord. He kind of does that in the movie still yeah. as well. It's just his or thing. Like, he wants what, to what's be... the name of your team? Guardians of that what? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's just he's protective of that because to him, I think, yeah, I think Star Lord is like living out his sort of childhood Absolutely. dream. Mm-hmm. And you know, like it's pretty easy to say like he has his own um uh, like, like he wants the team to do good because it's a reflection of like just him doing good. Yes, you know, I totally so, agree with that. So yeah, he wants his team to do well. He wants it to succeed. He doesn't like failure, and when he does fail, he always doubles down on his efforts to try to redeem themselves. And um, it's basically like a, like a space Avengers kind of thing, except it's a little more 
Ah, wild. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Well, and then they all uh, sort sort of near the end of the run, they all yes. start wearing this outfit together. You know, yeah. They get, they get like the blue uniform with yeah, the red stripes. Which you on. see finally in volume three, we get they, the uniform, yes. the matching uniforms. So it's like a tuck three movies, but we they're got They're part it. of it. They're, they're together. <laughs> That's what it is. Because they start out with them right away in, in volume one. And, you know, even though they go iterations of it, it's like, okay, we came together. Uh, now then the quasar changed she changed into her yes uh very cosmic entities kind of said hey we have a bigger storyline for you okay (laughs) we have a bigger mission for you that was a whole thing so she kind of like embraces yeah and then they bring like moon dragon back and their lovers and things like that her and philo vel quasar have like a relationship they go on and things like that and uh yeah it's just really cool to see there was so much going on, but yet it was easy to follow and it was really well paced, I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I mean, they they would bring in um like as far as when you're reading a cosmic story, you want to see a little bit of like we said, the Star Jammers, they're really popular pirates. And mm-hmm. you know, you want to see a little bit of the um the the Cree uh Cree scroll conflicts and she are yep. And, yeah. And kind of actually, it's a good. They brought in some of the of like Marvel cosmic. Episode. Yeah, it's like okay, here's the Inhumans. Okay, yeah. oh, here's what's happening with you know Thanos. Sure. Like, or oh, the negative what... zone. We go there for a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's like they have to get this checklist of everything. Yes. And the the neat thing is that every artist and writer have their own take on what that is. And when you're in the cosmic universe, jumping from the future to the past, from one you know time flux to the other. It's, it's like up to you to just make it Absolutely. up, you know? make up what, and if you get stuck, well, they can just say, oh, we found this, you know, yeah. quasar limiter, blah, blah, and then they get out of it. So <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's like yeah. a, a, probably a little bit of a writer's dream and a writer's nightmare because they don't want to um, step on too many toes that have built sure. this up before them. And ultimately they, when they were writing this, they were like, okay. So we, they were also working on Nova. Nova was a huge part of cosmic everything. And they knew they had some ties that he helps kind of sets up the team of star Lord. He's like, okay, I'll help you get these people. And then they're also like, they're also like the visionaries for the war of the King saga. Um, and so they know like where these characters are going and things like that. So they had a roadmap. Um, but this was like the team where they kind of get to, get that roadmap of the galaxy and things like that. They get to go on the adventures and, and tell like their story. See, now I feel like this story is a, a, a little neat introduction to the cosmic world writing. Mm-hmm. Probably easier than jumping right into annihilation. Yeah. Maybe. You were talking about that. Yeah. It's like some of those you, you have to, find sort of the right niche that makes sense to you. Some people want to read Fantastic Four and get their sort of cosmic introduction that way. Sure. Some people might go all the way back to Infinity Gauntlet and read Absolutely. that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of start from that that aspect. But I think the Marvel movies, what they've really helped new readers with is to use the movies as the like primer. Yes. Because Honestly, if you watch the movie first and then you read this after it, mm-hmm. and I usually don't say that. We usually <laughs> say, hey, read the comic and the yeah. movie is kind of neat to see, but, you know, read the comic. 
But honestly, if you watch the Guardians of the Galaxy movie and then read this, it kind of makes a little more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because this was your first time reading this, right? Yeah, I haven't read this run. And I've read, um, like, I'm familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy as a comic form outside of the the, movie. And a few of the characters that we read. And they've they've always been um, like writing tools. So they'll pop in and like, mm-hmm. oh, we're the guardians. And then they'll like <laughs> leave again. Sure. Uh, in, in, in different storylines. But usually it's, I think that they were characters they brought in on a huge, huge crossover events. Yes. Um, where this one was nice just to see them doing their thing by themselves. Sure. And for me, I actually picked up issue one when this came out in 2008. And I actually have a pretty decent collection of singles in that. I would love to finish the run. I probably have about 20 singles of this. Out of the 25. Out of the 25. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Although for me, rereading this, because I haven't read this material and it's been probably about 10 years or so, <laughs> 10, 12 years, because that's when I started getting more in comics. Um, this was super rewarding because the issues I didn't own, I got to read. <laughs> especially yeah. that's the that's the best thing about omnibuses yeah you know they have the whole run right there and then there's like little side events that continue off after this run and things like that that kind of you still use the same team or principles of it and so it was like oh okay this is so cool and rewarding because i always wondered I, I missed like issue nine or issue 10 i went well what happened when we meet this villain and then we jumped over here Oh no, (laughs) I missed that part. (laughs) And actually for this story, if you do skip an issue or two, it's so much has happened. Absolutely. It's like, there's a lot to sort of reflect or catch back on. And it's not uh, too bad if you missed one or two when it was coming out, but man, it just makes the story so much more cohesive and um, you kind of know where the character's been, what they've went through and why they're thinking in this new mentality than they started. Yeah, and the Omnibus actually, so it has Guardians of the Galaxy 1 through 25, and then it has the Thanos Imperative, which is um, eight issues, and then Rocket Raccoon and Groot, which is another eight issues. So yeah. it's got some fun stories at the yeah. end of it. Um, kind of continues again, to promote we're just focusing on that. that that 25-issue run from yes. Abnet. Just so it was more focused in on yeah. the, the actual initial run. Well, and a lot, of, a lot of people do still tie this run but as sort of a definitive modern Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I would say like, that. this is it. Yeah. yeah, this is the jumping on point. This is the one to read. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other Guardians of the Galaxy, the classic runs are collected in um, two other runs, the Jim Valentino Omnibus, then Tomorrow's Heroes. So that's really cool. And then after this run, the Brian Michael Bendis, we uh, talked about when we did Ultimate Spider-Man, you know, after this friend came over, he did Guardians of the Galaxy for a little bit. Now Al Ewing is doing Guardians of the Galaxy, and it just keeps continuing, um, especially you know, with the popularity of the movies and stuff. But I've never read beyond this point because I'm a I'm almost a little afraid to explore that territory <laughs> because I'm like, whoa, they start going on about Peter's father, and it's way different than the movie. And um, it's just different preferences because it's, sometimes it's where you start reading. So you're a little bit of like, I like this story so much. I don't want them to try to redact it or anything like that. Exactly. And that's, that's hard. I mean, someday I might go read those stories and discover that path. But right now I like my comfort food (laughs) (laughs) and, or maybe I, I like going back to like the, where they started in the origins and kind of seeing how those comics evolved. But that's just my personality taste right now with reading. Yeah. Well, and and a lot of times um, you see some, 
things you like in a story and it'll lead you into another one. And, and that's, you know, one of the overarching things that we like about the podcast is people might say, Hey, you know what? I really enjoyed reading, um, you know, saga, what other things are like that? How Absolutely. can I find that in another form or what story, you know, sort of relates to guardians mm-hmm. of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. If you like that kind of, yeah. um, adventure pacing you know off the wall group kind of activities absolutely there's a lot of those out there too yeah like annihilate they were they're always trying to do another retelling or reiteration of annihilation like the annihilators the annihilators part the, the last scourge the they're always trying to rehash that so you'll well there's so many stories that you can use in cosmic yes. uh, world you know yeah then like we said or stories. Thanos, how do we how would we bring back Thanos? <laughs> yeah. And then once he's back, what is this just What's like, his motivation? Does he what go is back to what he was doing yeah. before? Or are we trying to do that? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, this book has a little bit of everything. It's got Kang in there. It's got everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. it's awesome. Um, good run for everyone yeah. too. And I guess the major artist that was on this run was Paul Pelletier. And he did a great job. I love the art when he was on it. The other artists were okay. Yeah, they were okay. They're okay. They were a little rough for my taste because Paul Pelletier was very detailed and great figures that had. And just, um, it was kind of like when we reviewed uh, Ivan Reyes when we talked about Aquaman, like when people step oh, off yeah. of it, he has, he made those characters such identifiable that when you do something else with it, it's like, whoa, okay, that's a little weird. <laughs> well, and sometimes i mean like you said i like my sort of comfort food sometimes it pulls me away from the story Absolutely. when the art is so disjointed yes and i'm a huge believer and everyone's heard me talk about it on the podcast before mm-hmm. of just tying the artist to the story and to me if those are disjointed even if it's just my opinion it it's hard to fight back to the narrative that you want. You yeah. Know. And Paul Pelletier, he's did a lot of different comics. I think he's, he had a small run on She-Hulk and he's, he's been around the Marvel universe a bit. So he's got some great work in the comics area. So, um, and also this was like the first like major guardians of the galaxy series I've read, or at least major comics. So, looking at somebody else's art, I'm like, Oh, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little hard to pull away from. Um, I did appreciate like when it changed art in a different timeline because they do some time traveling and things. I'm like, okay, that's appropriate mm-hmm. because it's a whole different timeline. So you can kind of differentiate that. But, um, it's like, okay, look, when we get back to the main story, the main continuity, all right, here it is. <laughs> Yeah, and they had some great covers for this too. Oh, absolutely that. breathtaking those are covers! Really catchy. I remember growing up, like those would be my like desktop wallpaper on my yeah. computer. I'm like, oh, these are Salvador so pretty. Salvador La- Roca. <laughs> I mean, it's so yes. awesome. Mm-hmm. And they tied that into the story pretty perfectly. Sometimes, yes, it's, it's absolutely. Pretty, Even yeah. if it's not directly tied into it, it you know you have to have a good cover artist you can't get around it <laughs> it might not happen in the story but man it just draws you into what's gonna happen yeah clint langley did the first seven issues yeah cover and his and were just tied uh, yeah those were iconic to say the least i don't know um especially with this the initial run loved it um but yeah this is a great um, jumping on point to Guardians of the Galaxy, um, the 2008 run by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. They're the ones that have the Marvel Universe cosmic Bible <laughs> that kind of did it during that time era. And um, if you like this run, there's plenty of cosmic stuff they do. 
definitely look in those writers. They've did so much in comic books. Highly recommend checking out their work. Yes, yes. Yeah, and visiting. And if you can pick up the omnibus or read it digitally, we highly recommend that as well. Um, they do have trades out of it, but this is like a cohesive run that works together. Yeah. Try to track down the Omni. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's still widely available. I think you can still pick it up here and there. And I'm sure, you know, there, there might be a time where they reprint it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we definitely recommend checking it out. Um, this has been another great episode of Bam Pow Comic Con. This is Andrew Glonner. And Chris Ramos. Signing off. Thank you.